today on CityCast DC. Virginia's model policies on how schools should treat transgender students received more than 17,000 public comments in just the first two days of the open feedback period. You only have a few more weeks to submit your thoughts. And today, we're joined by Virginia Public Radio's Michael Pope to make sure that you're informed when you do it. It's Wednesday, September 28, 2022. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. Michael, thanks so much for being here. So Virginia's governor, Glenn Youngkin, has introduced these, quote, model policies for all of Virginia school districts. And a lot of people are talking about how this is going to specifically impact trans kids in the public schools. So what's really happening there? Yes, well, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me. The governor has these model policies on transgender students. For example, what kind of bathrooms they use, what kind of locker rooms they use, what kind of sports teams they can play on, what kind of names they have in the school system, what kind of pronouns are associated with them. And so all of these were suggested by the governor as model policies. So these are guidelines that school divisions can either adopt or throw in the garbage can. They don't have to adopt these things. So that's kind of the next step of where we are on this process. Virginia has a public comment period that opened earlier this week on Monday the 26th was the first day of the 30-day public comment period. So anyone who wants to make their voice heard on this can go to a website the Virginia government has set up called Town Hall. So it's a Virginia government town hall not townhall.com, which is something totally different. Don't go to townhall.com. <laughs> if you want to make your voice heard, you can go to the Virginia government version of Town Hall. And, uh, and it will be really interesting to see what kind of public comment the state gets as a result of this in that 30-day period that ends October 26th. You know, and at that time, the state government has two choices. They can either revise their model policies based on the feedback they got during the public comment period, or just move forward with these guidelines as they existed before the public comment period started. I would lean toward the latter probably being the more likely scenario where the state ends up moving forward with these model guidelines, regardless of what kind of commentary they receive in this 30-day comment period. That's such a clear summary. Who is against this policy and who is for this policy? So I mean, to answer that question, we have to sort of put this in the larger context of this is a policy that is in reaction to the previous policy from the previous governor. So the previous governor is Ralph Northam. He had model guideline policies that said the exact opposite of what Youngkin is saying. The Northam guidelines said that schools should respect the pronouns that the children want to use. So if a, a child the, the school should use the pronoun of the gender that the student identifies with, not this pronoun of the gender that was assigned at birth. That was the Northam guidelines. So now Youngkin has done a 180 and done the exact opposite. And same thing with bathroom. So in terms of who's for and who's against, people who support the rights of children to use the pronouns that they want to use don't like the Yunkin policies. Uh, people who support the right of children to use the bathroom of the gender that they identify with don't like the Yunkin policies. And so, you know, in terms of who's for and against, there's a bright line here in terms of people that like the Northam guidelines versus people that like the Yunkin guidelines. 
Have you been given any signal to what different schools in Northern Virginia might do in response to this policy? Oh, lots of signals. Yeah, they've been signaling constantly. Uh, the Northern Virginia school divisions really don't like the Yunkin guidelines. I would be willing to bet that soon enough, they will take a vote to explicitly reject the Yunkin guidelines. That's exactly what happened with the Northam guidelines. You know, I mean, in terms of how, where the st story moves next, after this 30-day comment period is over, all 133 local school divisions will have to take some kind of action or non-action. Um, so, you know, s a certain number of the school divisions will fully adopt the Yunkin guidelines. You know, if you look back to the Northam guidelines, only 13 of the 133 school divisions actually fully adopted the Northam guidelines. So are we going to see a number that's larger than 13? This is something to watch, actually. Will Yunkin's guidelines end up being more or less popular than the Northam guidelines? Yeah, it seems like the way that the different districts in Virginia are handling it does seem to be pointing to a clear divide between, you know, school districts in Northern Virginia and those that are further south. Why do you think that is? Well, yeah, this is the old urban versus rural kind of dichotomy that Virginia has. You know, a lot of people tend to think of Northern Virginia as being a, sort of different than the rest of Virginia, which is true. But with this model policy, I think it's more of a urban versus rural. So you will also see school divisions in the Richmond area who resist these Yunkin guidelines. You will see school divisions in the very urban Hampton Roads region who will not like these guidelines very much. Um, and then there is the rest of Virginia, you know, Southwest Virginia, Southside Virginia, rural areas. They're going to love this policy. Those are, you know, ruby red conservative districts that are uncomfortable with all of these rights that transgender students have been given by the Northam administration and are uneasy with the sports angle of this. I mean, that's really kind of the emotional center of this is what is happening with girls' sports? And are we going to let these transgender students participate in girls' sports? That's really kind of what's behind a lot of the emotional force that we've seen and will continue to see in Southwest and Southside Virginia. Why do you think that is at the heart of the issue? Like, why is that something that has really fueled this conversation for so long, do you think? Well, it's, you know, fear really is what it gets down to. People fear change a lot of times. And, you know, the prospect of a transgender girl participating in girl sports is something that outrages a lot of people. And a lot of our politics is so based on anger and making people resentful. And so I think the prospect of a transgender female participating in girls sports is something that has a lot of opposition and may even push people in a direction that the Yunkin guidelines might even end up being more popular than the Northam guidelines. And if that is the case, I would imagine that you could tie that almost directly to people's feelings about girls sports. I, I think you're absolutely right that fear-mongering about people who are traditionally pretty marginalized is definitely something that we see a lot of. And it makes me sad that it seems like that kind of fear is fueling these conversations because we don't have good conversations and substantive conversations that help us move forward when we're coming from a place of fear. So I just wanted to... You say we don't have those discussions. I would say that 
those discussions are happening. I mean, they are out there. There are people who are making a good faith effort to have a conversation about these issues and figure out how to resolve these differences. It is worth pointing out that Governor Yunkin did not reach out to the transgender lawmaker in the General Assembly, Delegate Danica Rome. I spoke with her last week and she said the governor never called her. So um, wow. he made no effort to you know, reach out to the transgender lawmaker who has lots to say about this. I mean, Delegate Rome was telling me that if the governor had given her a call, she would have had some suggestions about how to make these guidelines better. Yeah, I mean, this is something that Yunkin ran on, this idea of parents having more control in their kids' educations. Do you have any sense of the way that students are responding to all this? Have you heard from them? Yeah, many students are really unhappy with these guidelines. In fact, earlier this week, they staged a walkout. We saw students across Virginia walking out of their classes to specifically reject these guidelines. So, you know, students today are pretty savvy in terms of letting people know what their opinion is. There is no lack of commentary from this from public school students in Virginia. I think we're going to see a lot of that, and I think it's going to be live streamed. Oh, the youth today are so media savvy. They probably got a whole like social media rollout plan. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're going to see more of that in this 30 day comment period. In fact, I would expect to see many of the public comments that are received by the Virginia government over the next 30 days to be from students. I think we're going to get a lot of commentary from public school students on this and what they think about bathrooms and locker rooms and sports and names and pronouns. Now, these model policies actually become effective as of October 26th. And so the State Board of Education has no action to take. They're not going to vote on these things. That's my understanding. They just will become effective at that point. And then that's when your local school boards will have to start taking this up and considering this and figuring out what they want their policy to be, these elected school board members. And so I think we're going to see a lot of that. I guess we'll have to have you back on to discuss where we, I mean, I, I almost hate that the issue comes down to this, but is it, it sounds like kind of a wait and see. Yeah, well, it is democracy in action, right? These are elected school boards taking action in, to represent their constituents. So we'll find out. Michael, thank you so much for being here. Listeners, you can follow Michael on Twitter at Michael Lee Pope, and you can follow his podcast at pod underscore Virginia. Thanks so much. It was great to be here. And we can't let you go without your quick news. First up, we mentioned that Virginia students are fired up about these model policies. More than a thousand students walked out of classes yesterday to protest. Meanwhile, a corrections officer named Beverly Williams has been charged with allegedly smuggling drugs into the D.C. jail along with two other D.C. residents. And they've apparently been at it for months. When Williams was legally searched earlier this month, investigators found her with tobacco, rolling papers, bags containing a green-like substance, and pain relievers. Finally, calling all singletons. The reality dating show Love is Blind is casting in D.C. So are you ready to drink champagne from Golden Flutes, go on pod dates, and possibly marry somebody that you've literally never seen? Sure, sure, it's toxic, shallow, and ineffective. Apparently, there are only two couples from the series that are still together. But what's all that when you can represent D.C. like a champ? That's all for today here on CityCast DC. And this is definitely an episode to share with your Virginia friends. 
Remember, that comment period is only open for a month, so get on it. And get those same friends to subscribe to our newsletter at dc.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.